Ah! Uh, before we start, I hope, I hope you feel loved at this church. And I also want to challenge you, if you're coming to this church all the time, I hope you're dishing out the love. And the reason why I say that is, as I'm worshiping, you know, um, I text message Carl tonight. I am not Carl. That, that's what Tom Tom always says. He always says that, yeah? I'm not Carl. Um, I am the youth pastor. I'm Frank. Um, and I'm here to give a nice, good, sweaty sermon tonight. And I, I text messaged Carl. I text messaged him tonight. I'm like, Friday nights. I forgot. Is it a button-up or is a V-neck okay? And he's like, V-neck's okay. I said, good, because I'll sweat less. And then um, during worship, man, worship was pumped. Amen? I mean, there's just something about, uh, you know, when we sang that song, like, I set my hope on you. And I'm just like, ah, I'm just like stomping my foot. When we sang that at men's camp, I hurt my foot because I was stomping too hard. And I was just going nuts. If you guys were in the back on the last night, me and Clinton Landuzza, man, you get me and Clinton Landuzza together, it's like, it's just crazy. And I was just stomping my foot and I hurt it. And then uh, God healed it. So amen. Praise God. Um, but tonight uh, I'm worshiping and I'm like, great, the V-neck's not doing anything. I'm still sweating like crazy. And one of my students comes all the way from the back and she taps me on the shoulder, and she gives me a paper towel. And it's in the small things in life that you just feel absolutely loved. And I hope that you experience that at this church, because that's what this church is all about. Because as you drive up that driveway, it says, we love you, as is. Amen. Right? And so we better be dishing out the love. We better be receiving the love. This place is a place of love. Amen. All right. Um, oh, what the heck did I want to say? I wanted to say something. Ah. Thank you, Mel. 1,665 boxes left by this weekend. Get those Operation Christmas Child boxes in. You might have the role of a lifetime in someone's life because you might give them their very first gift that they've ever received in their entire life. These boxes are going all around the world. This thing that we're, we're participating in is an amazing thing, Operation Christmas Child. If you're sitting here for the first time tonight and you're wondering, what the heck is Operation Christmas Child? We get shoe boxes from, you can go to Payless store. You can say, hey, I need some shoe boxes. We got one at the mall. You can go there and just say, I need some shoe boxes. You go ahead and you fill it with toys, um, with crayons, just things to bless a kid with. And if you're savvy, you can actually get one of those plastic boxes from Walmart. And then it's not like you're, uh, you know, a paper box. That's, that's good and all. I use paper boxes sometimes. Um, if you use a paper box, it's disposable. But if you give them a plastic shoe box, you just gave them something. You gave them a toy box at the same time. Or you gave them a gift to give their parents to hold their food in. You know, and just so, so we have 1,665 boxes to go. Our goal was 3,000. We were at 2,000 last week. Uh, this church is moving with these boxes, and it's not too late. If it's your first time today, it is not too late. We are collecting. Uh, bring it on Sunday. Get up here. Uh, if you can't make it on Sunday, give it to one of your friends, and your friends can uh, bring it on up here. So that is a good thing that's going on. And I just wanted to uh, take some time just to, to point your attention to that, just to remind you and say, hey, let's get on board with this. Let's bless someone. Let's change someone's entire life. Amazing, right? small box can change someone's life. And that's the truth. Um, and so uh, tonight we have uh, just a teaching on, on wisdom. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to um, spend some time just talking about the communion that we took. And um, we're singing the songs tonight and something about every song just resonated in my heart. And I hope you felt that too. I hope as you're singing those songs, as you were, as you were raising your hands, that, that just understand that we are allowed 
to come into the presence of God the Creator, Alpha Omega, beginning and end. I mean, He's created everything. He puts the breath in your lungs. Every single breath that you have is a gift, and it's a gift from Him. And that we're able to come into this place and just even use that breath, which is a gift from Him, to bless Him. And to me, when I think about that, that's amazing, that I can come before the Creator of all things. Why? Because I'm worthy? No, because he deems me worthy. And um, last night I was hanging out with a bunch of friends and, and uh, one, of my, one of my good friends, where did he go? He disappeared. Shucks. I was hanging out with my friend last night and he said this. He said, Frank, do you ever feel like, like life isn't necessarily going awesome? Like there's storms around you, but because of God, it feels like you're just riding on the back of a lion. And I was like, Amen. And I was just like, holy smokes. Like just, uh, uh, just that's the way it is within this life. It's like you just follow God. And it's like, it's like you're riding on the back of a lion. And the storms are all around you. But it doesn't matter what the storms are. You know, the world says, focus on the storms. Look at all these things going around you. But it's like you're with God. And that doesn't matter. I was reading in Luke this past week in my devotions. And there was that moment where Jesus is in the boat with um, his disciples and he's, he's sleeping and there's a storm and the disciples, are, the disciples are going crazy. They're like, oh my gosh, there's a storm going on. Jesus is snoozing over there. And um, it's not that Jesus was lazy. It's not that he didn't care. It's just plain to the fact that he knew that everything was going to be okay. It wasn't him puffing up his own ego like, hey, I'm Jesus. Come on. <laughs> storm? Come on. I'm Jesus. Look at this beard. You know? Um, it's... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just that, and he, he asked his disciples, he said, you have little faith. And it's like amidst the storms, this world says for us to look at that, but God says, no, no, you got to realize you're riding on the back of a lion. Focus on me and all things shall be added unto you. So let's start. Father God, um, we just take this moment tonight to praise you, to worship you, Lord, to devote this time to just really focus on you, Lord. Uh, maybe you've come out of focus throughout this entire week, and I pray that tonight, Lord, that we are just refocused, that we, we are set our eyes upon you, God. That we just marvel in the fact that we can come before you right now, receive your word, lay our eyes on your word, um, worship you, praise you, God. Take, partake in communion with each other, partake in fellowship with each other. God, you are amazing. Please, Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and minds tonight to receive the message um, and God, just be here. We, we invite you here. We are honored to be invited into your presence, God. And we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to, uh, uh, I'm going to kind of give you a little curveball tonight. We're still going to be in James. We've, we've been talking about, ooh, turn me up. Uh, we have been uh, journeying through James. And it's been awesome. I've been hearing so many good things about how people feel challenged. Um, oh. We're challenged in James. James, the book is talking to the Jewish. It's talking to the, uh, it's talking to the Christians. It's talking to people and saying, you really want to de declare your faith? Live it. You really, really want to be proud of your faith? Prove it. And it's a challenge. And I've been having students come up to me in my youth ministry of having other adults. I went to the men's camp and the men are going, oh, bro, I like this book of James. And, you know, everyone's like, man, this book of James, this is teaching us how to live. And I, and I read it and it's so challenging. Um, we're going to get there tonight. But I want to throw in two verses. 
that I just kind of want to touch on before we get in there. Tonight's teaching is called Worldly Wisdom versus Godly Wisdom. And, and sometimes, you know, pastors want to seem smarter than, 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 you know, than the average chap. And uh, so I went on the dictionary, right? And I went and looked up wisdom. Now, I don't know if that displays whether or not I'm smart or not. Hey, you have to look up wisdom. I'm just looking for like one of those eloquent examples. And, and um, I turned to this. It's dictionary.com. It just totally teased me. Wisdom. The quality or state of being wise. You are a sarcastic jerk. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, I, I don't appreciate the dictionary's uh, sarcasm every once in a while. It just goes in the process of being wise. It goes, knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to action, sagacity, great. Now, you give me another word. I feel like Alice in Wonderland. I'm going down the rabbit trail, right? Discernment or insight. So I was like, you know what? Never mind with this stupid dictionary thing. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just describe wisdom. Wisdom is something we value right? We teach our kids it all the time. You know, you got to make wise decisions. Every step of your life is based on decisions. Better make wise ones. We value it in ourselves. Um, we value intellect. We value, you know, hey, are you, are you well read? Or, or, you know, we look at our friends and go, Brown, don't act wise, you know? And, and, and it's just, we value wisdom. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is like all, all your experiences, right sound judgment, the ability to make right choices, so I think my definition is better than dictionary.com. Thank you very much, right? And so we look at wisdom. All right. Something we hold in high esteem. And um, it's something that we, we, want, we really want this. But there's two types of wisdom. We have to get comfortable with this fact. Two types of wisdom. There's worldly wisdom. There's godly wisdom. And so the two verses that I really want to uh, just throw the throw a curveball tonight is, is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you'll turn there, you can read along with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 through 20 says this. It says, Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think, I'm sorry, if you think you are wise by this world's standards, everyone say standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, He traps the wise in snares of their own cleverness. Verse 20, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. So here this verse is pointing out two things. It's pointing out that there's standards of wisdom. There's the world standards and there's godly standards. And so I thought about, you know, well, what else do you say about wisdom, God? And you don't need to turn there, but Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9 says this. And God really paints just a totally black and white picture here. He says this. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This verse right here has the potential of offending me. Does it not? Does it not? It has the potential of offending you. What? God, your ways are better than mine? It's a very, it's a very plain, um, plain and direct thing from God. He just says, my, my ways are better than yours. You know when you're a kid, and you ask your parents, why do I have to do this? My, the quote that was the bane of my existence, my kryptonite as a child, was this. My mom would say, I always say, Mom, why do I have to do this? Because I am the mother and you are the son. And I was like, oh. and I just 
died inside. My, my, self, my soul just crunched in a little ball. Just like, ah, and I hated that. I hated that so much. Because why? Quite plainly, she put me in my place. There's no arguing against it. I can't argue against my mom being the mother and me being the son. There's just no way around it. It's just plain fact. And so God here is coming before us. He's saying, guess what, kiddos? My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. There are things you are not going to understand in this world because you're not God. And this is something that we believers have to get comfortable with sooner than later. You gotta, you gotta chew on that and you gotta accept that, that you're not God. And next time you go and create a sun and you breathe light to existence, then you can go ahead and say, well, God, I have some little contesting to do here. But until then, you get happy with the fact that God is wiser than you. It has the potential to offend, yes, but it's absolutely humbling at the same time. This is, this is a verse that I, I look at God and I say, yeah, you know what, you're greater than me. Your ways are better, even when I think my ways are better. Even when I disagree with you, God, or I don't understand you, there's no arguing against this fact that your ways are higher, your thoughts are higher. And so as we embrace this, as we set this foundation for the verse, um, for the teaching tonight, wisdom, okay? So there's two types of wisdom. We know what wisdom is. We describe the two types, worldly wisdom, godly wisdom. And guess what's right? Godly wisdom. There's just no way around it. And so now I want you folks to turn to James chapter 3, and we start. James chapter 3, we're going we're gonna to be reading verse 13 all the way to 18. We're going to kind of break it down throughout the, throughout the teaching. It says, if you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Everyone say honorable life. How? Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up with truth. Uh, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Verse 17, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. This is James coming to the believers and he's saying this. He's saying, there's wisdom. We have to understand, put, put yourself in context here. This is the Roman Empire. This is a time where reason is just starting to really bustle. You have philosophers. You have, you have these people who are questioning authority. You have these people who are, there's education abound. And, and, and Rome is, by our standards, like if you, if you put yourself back then, Romans were geniuses with, with their architecture, with the way that they, they operated their city. They had sewers. They, and, and it was just amazing. If you brought it to today, today's standards, it would be a society that was just bustling with technology and advancement and all these different things. And here, James is coming before people and saying, listen, 
The wisdom that really matters above all else, more than anything else, is God's wisdom. You've got to understand that, believers. This is what he's saying. And as we look at these verses, um, the, the very first verse that I want to just kind of break apart here is verse 13. And he says this, he says, understand God's ways. If you understand God's ways, prove it. This gets us all the way back to James chapter 2, where he says that faith without works is what? Again? Dead. Faith without works is dead. So if you're going to say that you live a godly life and you, you boast yourself on wisdom, and you say that you, you, you know, you're wise and you understand God, then prove it. Then really prove it. But how do I do that? Live an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. See, someone who has true wisdom has nothing to prove. See, that kind of doesn't work with the verse sometimes. We go, wait, wait, wait. He says to prove it, but they have nothing to prove. No, they earn their reputation. They don't declare it. See, someone who's wise, someone who operates with the wisdom of God doesn't have to say, hey, folks, I want you to know if you, got some, if you need some advice, I'm pretty dang wise. No, instead, they prove it by the reputation. People know that person is wise and, and they're humble about it. It's not about self-promotion. It's just about, here's God. God has is, God is given me good advice to give people and I have a choice. I have a choice to open my mouth and share it or not. And guess what? It's not about me. It's never about us. It's all about him. Amen? And so when we look at this verse, here you have uh, James challenging us. Prove it. Live an honorable life. My wife is one of the wisest people I know. Not based on the decisions that we made all the way back uh, yonder. You know, like everyone makes mistakes and stuff like that. But she's always been someone that has just always given good advice. Great advice. She's, she's generated a reputation of that. Her, the students that she pours into. People come to her for advice. She's, she's giving advice to her mom, her, her parents. She's always had that kind of... I, in my mind, I like to think of my wife. It's going to sound weird. I think of my wife. Like in her brain, there's this high mountaintop. And on the mountaintop is this old dude with just a long beard. And I just think of that. I'm like, there's like this old dude with a beard. And then you just climb up there to get wise advice. And, and he's just giving that to you. She's like, okay. But don't get me wrong, Jen. You're beautiful and stuff, but there's an old dude in your head, and it's awesome. <laughs> I've told her, you know, thank you. I, I've thanked her many times. Thank you for your advice. Keep me sharp. You keep your students sharp, you know? But she doesn't tote around going, hey, hey, look at me. No, she's humble about it. See, a person who's wise lives it out. You work with humility. The next verse goes on. Um, it says, verse, verse 14, it says, But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness, not God's kind of wisdom. See, in this life, we're always tempted to do something. We're tempted to um, elevate ourselves. I was so challenged by a sermon I heard the other day. This pastor um, on YouTube was just saying, you know, what do other people think of you? And then what would you do if you took, you know, what other people think of you, you know, all their opinions, like, oh, so-and-so's great. And, and you know, what, what, what do you display to them? And then what does God think? Would it line up? 
in the confines of, of you, just, just you, does it line up with the reputation you've built? Are you genuine? Are you true? I was, I was listening to that. I was like, wow, you know, that's, that's so right. Like, you have to. There's no hiding from God. In the same way that, that our, his wisdom is greater than ours, there's just, there's just another fact. He's there all the time. There's no hiding from him. There's no tricking him. And so when we look at this, it's like, what is my motivation, Lord? Is it to seek your wisdom to benefit myself, or is it to seek your wisdom merely to bring you glory, God, and to bless your people, Lord, and to bless the people that you've made in your image? Am I here to self-promote myself, or am I here to bless your people? That's a question that we should, we should all be asking ourselves. God, as I seek your wisdom, number one, do I seek your wisdom? Number two, Am I seeking the world's wisdom? What do I hold in high regard? And he's saying, he's saying, uh, don't cover up the truth. Don't boast. Don't lie. It's not about you. It's about me. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, I think we have a verse here. Is it there? Nope. But my hair is. <laughs> Although... Uh, all the pastors are growing out our hairs and, and we're doing this mustache and beard thing. And, and I went to men's camp this past weekend and there are some manly beards. There are some legit beards. Like Rob's beard, I just have like no, November dirty. Like I don't have November beard. This is just... I look at Ron Chambers. It's like one week. And I'm just like, dang. Come on, face. All right, I'm digressing. First Corinthians chapter 3. Um... It says this, it says, uh, it's really calling people on something once again. I want to kind of rewind it, verse 2. You don't have that on the, on the screen here, so if you look at your Bibles. It says, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? Two weeks ago, Pastor John Wiley came here and he said, really, we've got to start living in a new normal. There's the new normal where it's like you're saved by Christ and he just, he puts a new identity on you. You are a new creation. But we buy into the world's standards, we buy into the world's wisdom, and we still wear the, the clothes of the old normal. See, this isn't just about the miraculous stuff. He said the things that we should be seeing, should be, we should be seeing healings going on. We should be seeing things that are just like, what the heck is that? What's the new normal? Is Jesus moving through me? We should, be, we should be seeing those things. But on top of that, we should be ditching the old normal, which includes the worldly wisdom. What is that? You know, it's, it's, the, it's just going on our own accord. When you make wise decisions, do you bring it to God? When you're investing in something, do you bring it to God? When you're about to make a purchase, do you bring it to God? The word says, be good stewards. I'm so convicted of that. I'll walk into a store and I'll just be like, ooh, back massager. You know, I don't, I don't go into other stores like I'm standing in the line at Long's be like, ooh, there's new chewing gum. You know, they always trap you with that. The chewing gum with the new beads in it or whatever. And then you're like, ooh, I want that. I don't go and stop. Wait, hold on, hold on. Like, don't, don't you dare beep that yet. I'm praying. Hold on. No, not that one. I want the trident. God told me trident. You know, like, I'm not talking about being crazy like that. But, but it's just, it puts things. 
It's a different perspective. Are you going before God and seeking His wisdom? The big decisions in life. God, what school should I send my children to? Where will they be blessed and where will they bless others? Lord, how do I raise my kids? Being a um, young but getting older adult, kids are on the radar for me now. I'm just thinking, how am I going to raise my kids? And it is a daunting thing. Just, just, and that just tumbles around in my mind and it turns into this big monster. Not the child, just, just the idea. You know, like, ah, you know coming out. Ah. Um, but, no, they don't come out of me. They'll come out of my wife and just be like, you know, face hugger from aliens. <laughs> um, but, but just the idea of kids, it's so scary. I'm so scared because I'm just like, I'm looking at the finances. I'm like, can I afford a child? You know, and just, and, and, and I hear people say, well, you're never really ready. I'm like, what kind of advice is that? Like, you're never really ready. You know, like, I can't tell my, my high schoolers that, hey, you're never really ready. So, you know, no. Um, but but, but it's, it's, isn't that the truth? Parents, you're not really ever ready, you know? You're ready when you hold, you know, when you decide, I'm ready. I think about that. I'm like, man, I got, I got to go to you for some big decisions coming up soon. I just bought a house uh, with family in Kahalu. Yeah, there was a peacock in my yard this morning. I was like, what? This is not Honolulu anymore. Um, we bought a house, and one of those things was like, God, is this, really, is this really what you want? God, does this fit in with your big plan for our life? Or is there a peace? Is there a peace that I feel, God? No? No? One of the things I learned at men's camp, John Wally was talking about how he recently purchased a hospital. And he said, I didn't purchase the hospital to be this big wig guy like, oh, look at me. I'm doing all this outreach and stuff. He said, I just had a peace. I had a peace. God was giving me the wisdom to do this and he's showing me a need. And I just had this peace come over me. See, imagine how your life would shape out if you sought his wisdom more frequently. Imagine that. Imagine how your day would look. God, what people are you going to bring, up, bring across my path today? And am I willing to seek your wisdom in why they're there? God, use me. I tell you, your day would be shaped a whole lot different. You'd be focusing less on the, the storms in life and you're looking more at like, God, you're, you're leading me by your wisdom, God, onto every single mission that's, that's placed out before me throughout my entire day. That would construct your day in amazing ways. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I look at these verses and it's, um, it is challenging. It's so easy to get jealous, and so it's so easy to um, quarrel with each other and wonder um, my reputation versus someone else's. See, the thing that, that these verses are pointing out, you know, James goes and he talks about selfishness and jealousy, and, and it's not necessarily that they are the, the specific and only fruits of worldly wisdom. It's the fact that where does, where does the attention draw to? Selfishness, jealousy, where's the attention? Myself. I'm jealous because I don't have this. It's self-centered versus God-centered. Godly wisdom is all Him. It revolves around Him. It has nothing to do with me. 
I accent God's plans. We put that into perspective. Again, your life changes. And see, I think a lot of times we think of, you know, if I'm sacrificing this, if I'm surrendering this God, that I'm losing out. Isn't that a lie that we buy into? The truth is, is that the more I surrender to God, the more my life is blessed, the more I see Him just breathe into my life. He breathes His life into mine. And it's as we surrender these things, as we say, God, it's not about my decisions, it's about yours, then we see things really start to flourish. Amen? The verse continues on, and it says this. It says, verse 17, but the wisdom from above, it goes and it creates a contrast, right? The, the other one, worldly wisdom, leads to selfishness, uh, jealousy. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are the peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. There really should be several fruits that are going to be produced when you seek God's wisdom. And his true wisdom comes from Him, and so it's going gonna, it's gonna to yield um, God's fruits. What are those? Number one, peace-loving. It's not always about being right. You start to learn that when you get into a relationship, right? You're not always right. And some of you that think you're always right, you've got to swallow that pill of not, not always being right. You're not always right. No matter how convinced you are, of you being right, you're not. Suck it up. Apologize. Several weeks ago, uh, Carl was preaching and he said, you know, quite honestly, if you're doing something wrong, what do you do? You repent and you repent quick. You have the choice of letting something brew over an entire day. It's not about you. It's not about you being right. Quite possibly you're not. So what happens? You're peace-loving. There's less about conflict, less about you being right, and more about you offering peace. Number two, there's gentleness even when it's difficult. God's wisdom always yields gentleness. Number three, it yields less control, less control, less control. It yields to others, and it yields to God. Number four, it produces mercy and good deeds. The wisdom of God, you're living out your day uh, seeking His wisdom instead of yours, What's going to be produced? The good deeds. Interesting, huh? As you seek God's wisdom and follow what He does, you produce something that brings life to faith. Because faith without good works, good deeds, is dead. And as I seek God's wisdom, that brings life to my faith. And last, it says, there's no favorites, and it's always sincere. God doesn't play favorites. He loves each and every one of us equally. He died on the cross for me just as much as He died on the cross for you. He bled and He cried and He wept tears of, of fear of dying on the cross, but He did so and He rose from the grave for each and every person. Everyone say, every person. There is just no way around that. The person that irritates you the most in your office, guess what? He died for them too. Amen? Sometimes we esteem ourselves, we go, oh, God, God loves me, praise God, praise God. But that jerk over there, mm. open your eyes. You're using your own wisdom. Because his ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Amen? Amen. So when I look at these verses, 
um, the thing that I always ask myself is, okay, so there's godly wisdom, there's humanly wisdom, there's my wisdom, there's God's wisdom. His wisdom is better. How do I seek that? How do I know if it's God? You ask. See, we get it into our heads that God is this elusive big guy in the sky that maybe has time for you. Yes, he died for me. Yes, he saved me. Yes, he loves me. But does he have time for me? Yes. See, we work it out in our heads that it's hard to hear God. But the truth is, it's very easy to hear God. We're just not listening. Pastor Kanani always says, God's always talking. The question is, are you always listening? Listening. Very different from hearing, right? I've argued with parents before, or you parents who have argued with your kids, you know that they hear you. It's a question of whether or not they're listening to you. We can hear all sorts of stuff, but if I listen, that means there's a response. And so when I look at this, the, the Bible says, so I look at it and I say, well, God, how do, we, how do we seek your wisdom? If it's all about your wisdom, how can I be sure that it's you, God? Number one, he says, ask. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. You don't have to turn there, but go ahead and note this down. You need to go look at this later. You need to go ahead and seal this in your heart and remember this. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. It says, the Lord grants wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if you need wisdom, ask for it. The Lord will provide it to you. So these aren't empty promises. This is God just saying, as much as I say that my wisdom is better than yours, and as true as that is, these verses are also true. Lord grants wisdom. When? When I ask. When I first became a Christian, I always wondered, how do I know if it's God's voice? Some people are under the conception that God's voice needs to sound the same to everyone. Wrong. God sounds very different from you to me. He uses a different voice. If you hear me talk to my wife when it's just me and her, there's, there's some baby talk in there. And I'm not going to use that when I'm with you folks. I sound very different. Why? Because it's personalized. And it's embarrassing to do it in public. I wouldn't do that in front of you. It's just embarrassing confessing that right now. And all you husbands, shut up. You do the same thing, you guys. You just don't want to admit it. Well, men of hope. Yeah, men of hope. When you go home, hey, baby. Or when you talk to your kids, you dads who just had a baby. Raw tough. When you hold that baby, oh, I've seen you. I've seen you. But you talked in a different voice. I talk to in a very different voice when I'm talking to my dog or cat. I talk to them differently. My Emma, she's sweet. She's an angel. Hi. I, I treat her like my princess. Hi, Emma. How are you doing? My cat, you chew that thing, I'm going to beat you. you know, like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> I'm, I'm sweet to him too, but you know, it's different. But there's a different voice. So why would I expect God to have the same voice for every single person? Why? Because he's personal. He's going to talk to you differently. And so how do we know if it's God? Well, when I, when I first started coming to church, I noticed something so different about this place than any other place that I've been to. I used to hear, before the digital age, when people said, oh, turn to, you know, Exodus 3, I heard this. And it was like the whole room. Just, it doesn't even do it now. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't illustrate the, the, like I want, but I used to hear the pages turn. And I was like, I looked around, like, people read that thing? Right? 
But what? People believe that? When I came to church, I started realizing, wow, there's so much more to the Bible than it just being, you know, a pretty binding and pages and, you know, it's God's word. And the more I interacted with the Bible, the more I saw what was in the Bible play out in my life. And then so as I look at that, I look at the Bible and I say, there's something about this book. There's something about here that just, it just, it just exhales God. And I look at it, I'm like, wow, these words are real. And so when I, when I started hearing God, the way I confirmed that it was him is I, and I just ask yourself this question, well, what is... Is it line up with what's in the Word? Is it consistent with His character? If it's not, hey, that's not God. When I first started dating my wife, um, I don't know if my, my sister-in-law is in the front row, I don't know if she knows this, but when I first started dating my wife, I picked up the phone, and we would call all the time. You know, when you're in a puppy love phase, you're like, I can't wait to just call. And like you have long phone conversations. I, I don't really like the phone. I, I'm a more of a texter now, you know, and then just, but we would spend hours on it. And I called once. Her mom picked up the phone. And I said, hey, babe, how's it going? <laughs> oh, um, this isn't babe. <laughs> I wasn't a Christian yet. So some different words came to my mind and I was like, you know, like, you don't want to impress the mom by calling her babe. I don't, well, I know, that's kind of weird. But why? Why did I do that? Because I wasn't accustomed to my wife's voice yet. I just started dating her. There had to be a, a, a duration of time where I accustomed my ears to her voice so that I could recognize the same thing with God. The more I pray, the more I hear him speak, but I confirm it by looking in his word. God, does this line up with what's in your word? And if it does, then I start to recognize his voice and I recognize how he sounds. And so when I ask him for wisdom, I'm not going to beat around the bush and think, well, is he going to give it to me? No, God, God, I need help deciding this right now. I want to seek you. We sang a song tonight that said um, uh, something about waiting. I'm always terrible with lyrics. Huh? I will wait for you. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. There's that verse that... Dang it. Oh, I thought it'd be up there. Save me. No. Um, but there's that verse that says, I will wait for you. Heavens forbid you ask him for advice and he makes you wait. Why? Because it's about your character, not about him being a genie in the bottle. Just poof, poof. Here you go. Here you go. Here's, here's this next thing. Here's that next thing. If you're a good parent, you make sure that your kids are dedicated to what they want. If you're a good parent, you don't spoil them. I hope God doesn't spoil us. See, he lavishes things on us. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he provides. Yes. But sometimes, if you're seeking advice and wisdom, wait. Wait. Why? Because it exercises your ability to trust him. And the more you seek him, the more he will provide. The more you seek him, the more he's going to answer. The more he answers, the more you recognize his voice. And then this, this comes to life. I harp on my students all the time. I say, you've got to be in your word. But it's a chore. I don't like to read. Hogwash. Open it up. See what God says about you. How are you expect to recognize his voice if you're not in there? Do you realize what a privilege it is to look at this? To read these? This is, this is like the love letters from God. 
When I open it, I see what He has for me. I see what He wants for me. I get, I get His wisdom. If I don't hear Him, I see what He already says. God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Go and make disciples of all nations. Sometimes the things we seek answers for are already answered. But you're not looking. But we got to look. So tonight, we have worldly wisdom, we have godly wisdom, and that perfectly fits in the old norm and the new norm. The new norm is better. God's ways are higher. God's plans for you are a lot better than your plans. promise you. God's destiny for you is far greater than you could ever imagine and more than you could ever accomplish on your own. And you have to seek Him. And you have to believe that He's going to answer you. And you've got to be in here to recognize His voice. Amen? Let's bow our heads. God, tonight as we seek You, as we seek to hear what You have destined for us, Lord, as we seek you in the, just the, maybe there's some people in here, Lord, with the hardest decisions before them right now. And what they're needing, Lord, is your advice, your wisdom, God. Father, it's my prayer that we are exhausted with our own wisdom. That we've seen a track uh, record of just, just falling through. It's about time we start to see a new, normal track record, Lord God. One that just, um, that just breathes life into each and every day. Lord God, I pray that it's more than just the big decisions, but the small decisions in life too, God. That we seek you above all things. Lord, this life with you is a relationship. Seeking your wisdom, reading your word, it doesn't fit on a checklist or a to-do list. Lord, this life is about loving and following You from rebirth all the way on. Father, grow in us the ability to be patient. Lord, open our hearts. Work in us, Lord, where we're stubborn. Father, if we've got to put things in perspective tonight, Lord, I pray that you help us align those things, that it's not about us, and it is all about you. So everyone keep their eyes closed and head bowed. There might be some of you in this room tonight that you're not a believer in Christ. Not yet. But you feel God tugging on your heart and challenging you. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago so that each and every sin, and I mean every sin, will be washed clean. And He doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with just cleaning up your mess. This is a decision of a, of a life commitment to follow Him, to seek Him, that this wisdom is for you. The Bible says that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that He is Lord, that we are grafted into His family, that we are saved. This isn't a one-time deal. This is really a, a lifelong confession with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord. It is a lifelong confession with your 
whole life and how that looks and how, how it paints the glory of God through you. That, that's what salvation is all about. But tonight, I want to give each and every one of you, if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you want to do that tonight. I want to give you that opportunity. We're going to be saying a prayer in just a little bit, but I want to know that I'm praying with you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and just look up at me if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And partially it's for me so that I know I'm praying with you. But a lot of it, a lot of it is just for you. You and God. This is you and God. And you just saying, God, I'm here. I'm following you. I'm deciding to believe in you. I've got a whole list of messes in my life and I'm believing that you're going to clean that up. And so if that's you tonight, I'm going to count, count to three and I'm just going to clap my hands and whoever wants to accept Jesus as their Savior, you just go ahead and throw up your hand and look up at me. One, two, three. I see you. Praise God. I see you in the back. I see your hands way up high. Anybody else? I see you. One, two, three, four, five, six. Anybody else? Is there anyone else tonight? If I didn't see you, just wave frantically. I see you. <laughs> we got a little one in the back. Praise God. You're going to pray this prayer with me. We're going to pray it aloud. And brothers and sisters, we're going to pray this with them. Um, just to join with them. And if you're not a Christian yet, and you didn't sign up to pray some prayer that you didn't want to pray tonight, that's fine. You can cruise right where you're at. But we're going to just, just tag along these words with me. Just repeat after me. Lord God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you even more for dying on the cross and washing away all my sins. You know my history. You know where I've fallen short. And you're not surprised. And you love me all the same. Holy Spirit, stir in me a fire that this world cannot explain. Father, thank you for ushering in the greatest rescue plan in all history for me. I love you. I devote this life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.